Welcome to New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit newhoperock.org. That's newhoperoc.org. I want to say this. One of the things that I like to do is I like to kick religion in the butt. Now, when I say that, I'm not trying to do it just to be a maverick or how many know you can become religious by trying not to be religious. I don't like religion. And then it's like, well, you're 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 so stuck on certain things, not being religious that you've missed out on some things. So in essence, you've made your own religion out of not trying not to be religious. So I don't I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about and, and maybe I'll just take it to this here and this is what I'm going to be preaching to you this morning. I like one of the my favorite things to do is to see healing and freedom come because people's distorted images of who God is is shattered. And and this doesn't just happen in in a sermon or in in some sort of equipping thing. This doesn't this happens over time. It's called a biblical view of repentance, metanoia, changing the way we think reorientation, just completely uh, reorienting our lives. It's a radical reorientation, but it doesn't just happen one time when we get saved. We are changing the way we think, and we're repenting. When Jesus preached that the kingdom of God has come near, he says, repent. He's saying, change the way you think, because God's reign, the reign of his love is coming near. And Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. And so we need to repent. Continually, as believers, Because God is revealing his nature, his love, his heart to us as we become more like Jesus. Or as we, you could say, as we realize that he has made us just like him. And that righteousness that he's given us just flows out of our lives. But I want to talk to you about some things this morning. Because I don't like religion. I don't like, uh, you know, you got to pray for me, guys. Because sometimes, like, I'd rather hang out with a drug addict and see him free than a religious Pharisee. Like, if a drug addict is all up on my Facebook, I'll be like, hey, what's up, bro? Let's video chat. I want to talk to you. If it's a Pharisee, I'll block him. I'm like, I don't even, I, I mean, I, God, teach me to love, you know. I, I really have a hard time, though, with I don't like religion. I don't like religiosity. I don't like things that have... Uh, the, the fringes of Christianity have become the face of Christianity, and we have uh, an overcorrection in society where where people think Christians hate homosexuals, or people think Christians um, are are set against certain groups of people. Where you know, if you're a Christian, then you're racist or whatever, and and so like we have these silly concepts that come out, and they come because of religiosity, and and that comes from uh, that comes from really bad views of who God is. And I, this morning, what I want to share with you is a message uh, that I'd like to entitle um, uh, The Reality. Can you just say it out loud? Say, The Reality. Uh, I want to read Colossians 2. If you can go to the first slide. We're going to read Colossians chapter 2. Um, Sarah or David or something, can you give me some water? I just need some water. Thank you. This coffee is uh, making my mouth dry, but it's really good. Who enjoys coffee? Is, am I the only one that enjoys coffee? Some of y'all looked at me crazy when I said cheers. It's not beer. I, come on. Although all the sipping saints were like, yeah, praise God. 
beer. Praise God. You know how many people here have been like, there's a lot of microbreweries in Rochester. I'm like, sip and saint. Come on, somebody. As long as it's in moderation, self-control, right? Now, some people just got to stay away from it, and I commend you, and I respect that. Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 2. We're going to read two verses in the NIV. Y'all ready? Let's read. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you. Oh, that's a good word. By what you eat or drink. That's a really good word right there. As I turn sideways and just show off my quarantine gut. Yeah. Or with regard to a religious festival. A new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Let's read that verse 17 again. It says, don't let anyone judge you what you eat or drink or religious festivals, new moon celebration or Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. These are the shadow. Say the shadow. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Another chance to say the, the substance would be found in Christ. The substance, the reality. Isn't that a good word? Now, this morning, I want to talk to you about the difference between the shadow and the reality. Um, let's go to the next slide here. Here's just a, f- a few things I want to talk to you about, about a shadow, Okay. A shadow is, what does it say here? A shadow is two-dimensional with no color. Now, this is, it's, it's a simple concept, but if we understand, as believers, when we read the Bible, the Bible, we're not to read the Bible like equal in authority everywhere. If I read a couple verses from the Old Testament and I string them together, I can form an image of God based upon the shadow. And this is what the Bible's talking about. Paul's saying, listen, the law, the old covenant, that was a shadow of things to come. Even Jesus said, the scriptures bear witness of him. The scriptures point to him. And sometimes we, in our Christianity, get stuck in the shadow. And the shadow is two-dimensional with no color. Now look, everyone see what the shadow is, right? It's a beautiful little baby in diapers. All the moms are like, I love babies, but I don't love changing diapers. Can I get an amen? <laughs> me, me and my wife, I remember when we did a, uh, uh, a little contest at a baby shower, we won uh, the fastest diaper changing contest, and we had one hand uh, behind our backs, and we had to cooperate and do it together. And we were so proud. At that point, we only had, I think, two kids. Now we have five. So can you imagine how we could do it now? I mean, even though she changed most, most of the diapers. I, I, I lacked in that area. I'm a bad dad. But anyways, the shadow is not the same thing as what we're seeing right here. The three-dimensional object, the real deal. And sometimes we get stuck in the shadow. And I'm not just talking about Old Covenant stuff. I'm talking about religion. I'm talking about how we see God. I'm talking about uh, the darkness that humanity was trapped in that Jesus came to set us free from. Our fallen minds, our, our, the ways uh, of you could call the flesh, just the things, the, us, humanity being trapped in darkness. That's the shadow. And now God chose to meet people where they were at. And it doesn't just 
it's not just seen in the Old Testament. That's just the part of That's the beginning of it. But it's seen when God actually becomes human. And he takes upon our fallenness so he could heal and set us free. Can you say amen? Let's go to the next slide. Number two, I'm going to try to breeze through these real quick. A shadow does not accurately portray the real thing. I cannot and I should not and it would be unorthodox. It would be wrong and it would be uh, me allowing uh, my even own imagination to form an image of God if I look at the shadow and say that's what God looks like. This is so important because sometimes we get stuck in the shadow And we have a relationship with God and we read our Bibles and we go to Bible study and we go to church and we even speak in tongues and we even fall out under the power of God and we experience the Lord, but we're still stuck in the shadow. Because we have mental baggage, mental theological baggage, the same way that when I married my wife, she was perfect, but I came into the marriage with mental baggage. She had no issues at all and still doesn't. She's perfect. In all of her ways. I sing that song to her. You are perfect in all of your ways. (laughs) Serenade her with this love song. But how many know when two people come together to be one, we both have our own concepts of what that relationship is going to look like. We have our own mental baggage of how we live, how we relate. Hello? How we see. And intimacy is not possible, hear me, until the mental baggage is taken away. And we begin to relate, and we begin to know one another the way that we should. We learn to see, we learn to love, we learn to live from the heart. My wife and I got to do a a marriage and relationship uh, video teaching that's going to be broadcasted at a church in Las Vegas, a church, uh, a pastor that... um, uh, we're like mentoring these pastors in this church. Awesome, awesome church in Las Vegas, young pastors. And it was so fun doing the video. And, and my wife and I just got to tag team. But, you know, we learn when we do that stuff because it's like we're learning to love. We're learning to relate. We're learning. And we're learning not to live and get stuck in the shadow. And we can't even know one another if we're stuck in the shadow. But here's what happens. We have all this mental baggage And what we call intimacy with Jesus is just knowledge and a little bit of experience. But God wants us to have a radical reorientation and look at the reality, which is Jesus. And he is the perfect revelation of God. And when we read the Bible, we should read the Bible with the intent that I'm reading it through who Jesus is and see that the shadow pointed to something greater. The shadow does not accurately portray the real thing. Go to the next slide. I'm going too long on these slides. Number three, shadows shift, change, and distort. Now, that shadow looks like a werewolf, but it's a cute little dog. Now, that cute little dog to my son would not be a cute little dog because he's allergic to dogs, but everyone say, oh, we couldn't have a dog in the house ever. We tried, and he got sick, and then we realized he was allergic to dogs. And Rochelle still wants a dog, and every time she talks about it, David will say, Mom, do you want to kill me? <laughs> but how many know that that cute little dog, the shadow, looks a little creepy? And so it is, if we don't understand how to look at the scriptures 
And, and also realize that sometimes we have made God with our own vain imaginations, our own fears, our own anxiety. We've shaped God with our fallen minds. We think the fear of the Lord is, is to be scared of God like jumping in the waters of Australia where there's great whites that could eat you up. Why does Australia have all the bad stuff, like the worst sharks, the worst snakes, and the worst spiders? I don't want to go to Australia. I shouldn't say that because then I'm going to have a dream to preach there, and I'm going to have to go. You know, God does that kind of stuff, right? Wrecks your plans. Oh, say that again. <laughs> the Godhead is conversing. I love when he says that. Let's wreck his plans. <laughs> the shadows shift. Shadows change. and sh- Listen, God is immutable in nature. His disposition towards you is love. In Him, there is no shadow of turning. God is love and God is light. And the shadow is not the same thing as the substance, the real thing. Let's not get stuck in the shadows. Let's go to the next one, number four. The shadow is confusing and not helpful. Can I get a big amen on this one right here? Come on. Who hates that? Does anyone else hate it? It's so annoying. This is, this is how I feel about religion right here. That's religion right there. Put the toilet paper on the right way. In Jesus' name, repent. Reorient. It's not supposed to go on like that. It looks like a little bird perching, and, but that's not what it really is. It's toilet paper to wipe your bum. Shadows are confusing and they're not helpful. Sometimes our images of God are very confusing and they're not helpful. And they are a negative contrast to the real thing. I want to read John 12, 46 to you. Jesus said this. The next slide. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who trust in me will no longer wander in darkness. A lot of times we look at that scripture and it's like a salvation scripture. But what if we're still looking at God and we formed an image of God from elements of the shadow, but not the reality? I want to just go through a few things of what, happen when, what happens when we live in the shadow, okay? Um, the first one is uh, toxic images of God. Now, these images of God well translate into our relationships. There's, I, we could preach entire sermons on this. The way that we see the cross, uh, the, way that, uh, the way that we look at the Father. My wife did a, a brilliant job last week talking about how God is sometimes eclipsed. It's almost like there is this glory that is hindered, this glory of who God is, the revelation, which, by the way, the glory of God is a revelation of his love and his nature. And sometimes that glory and that revelation is eclipsed by things. And then we feel as though the world is dark and the world is dim, but in the light and in the revelation of Jesus, that all changed. Now, you know, when God was revealing himself, you look at from the very beginning, you know, in the fall, God began to meet people where they were at, but he didn't just stop there. 
he went all the way to the biggest undercover boss episode of all time. God became human. God humbled himself. And the scripture says that he emptied himself in Philippians 2. And that doesn't mean he emptied himself as of his divinity. But he, and it doesn't mean he just emptied himself as of his divine privileges. Because Jesus was fully God and fully man. This is so important. This is known as the hypostatic union. It is the, the element and the understanding of the incarnation, why God became human, and how we're actually redeemed is because Jesus was fully God, fully man. So when he died and took upon the sins of the world, defeated the devil and, and all of that, and went into the grave, how many know that God can't die? So what happened? God kicked death in the butt so that we could be raised with him. He went into our darkest place. Now, that's just not a metaphor. Jesus went into your darkest place of brokenness, pain, and the disease of sin, the, the lie of separation that God is far. The Bible says that we were enemies of God in our minds because of our evil deeds. Sin makes you feel as though you're separated from God, and you may be, but that doesn't mean God is separated from you. God is right there. Jesus is right there waiting for hearts to open. He's always been right there. He's always been the one that will leave the 99 and chase the one. Find the lost coin. And God becomes human. And he emptied himself. And, and the word actually means that he, it was like this word kenosis in the Greek. He poured out his divine love upon humanity. Like a big, huge heavenly barrel of living water he poured it out on humanity god became man the biggest undercover boss episode of all time can you imagine how many have ever seen the show i've only seen a few episodes i'm like man i love this kind of stuff but jesus in him all things consist the the one who holds every particle together in the universe became an embryo. And then he displayed this love. He was the light. Everything, every pro prophetic scripture, the whole order of the Old Covenant, Old Testament, and all the encounters, everything pointed to, up to him. Up until that point, it was all a shadow. Now the light has come. And John even talks about this. The light has come and the darkness could not comprehend it. And sometimes in our fallen minds, we're playing in the shadows and we think it's too good to be true. God can't be that good. And then we fall short of missing out on something beautiful because we think less of ourselves. And toxic images of God must be shattered so that we can reflect the nature and the love of who God is in the earth. And so God became human. This is so profound. The other thing is, we like to hide in the shadows. Can I say this? Children are afraid of the dark, usually, but adults are afraid of the light. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. 
because he was afraid to be seen with him in the day. But if it isn't for us, if we don't come into the light and allow God to expose, to heal, that's what judgment is. The light and the love of God shining on every dark area, every broken place. That's where healing comes. Can you say amen? Sometimes we play in the shadows. We hide in the shadows. And we form images of God in the shadow. How many know that if you're walking around a dark room and you feel something, you don't really know what it is, you're in a cave and, oh, it's a stick. It's a snake. No, it's just a stick. It's harmless. We can trip in the shadows. You know, my kids, I I don't recommend this, but um, I chose to scare the fear out of my children when they were little. So I did really, and I was experimenting as a new father. So, you know, you give me a break, right? Have some grace. This was like 17 years ago. My daughter and my son, David and Sarah, I used to just do, and just, you know, little scare things. Like I'd put a trench coat on and a wig, and then I'd pull the trench coat closed, and I'd walk around on my knees and go, hello, down like a dark hall. It's no big deal, right? <laughs> trauma. It's come up in their sozo and they've been set free. Come on. (laughs) But you know, it's funny. They're not scared. Like they know who they are. If they wake up and have a nightmare, they know how to pray. They'll pray in the Holy Ghost. They might come with us. We'll pray with them. Layla, by the time we get to our fifth child, we call her, her name is not Layla Brave. It's Layla Sophia, but we call her Layla Brave because she's not afraid of anything. And she's got the red hair just like Brave. Have you ever seen the movie Brave? She's my Layla Brave. We used to live in Las Vegas uh, behind this, uh, this, or near this golf course, and we would go out on the grass, and it was pitch black, and there's coyotes out all the time. And she would just run in the pitch darkness. I'm like, what? who is this child? What child does this? Layla, come back! We, the other kids are even afraid to go after her. Like, there might be coyotes out there. She's fearless. Isn't it funny, though, how sometimes adults are afraid of the light? We're afraid to go in the light, but sometimes children are afraid of the dark. But let's be childlike and just embrace God coming into our world and healing and freeing and coming to him and and just letting him love us thoroughly. Amen. Next. We misunderstand God's activity. This is a big one. I don't want to spend too much more time on this. I have a few scriptures, and then I'm going to let you go. Uh, How many know that not everything in the world that happens is God's will? I'm going to say that again. Not everything that happens is God exhaustively puppeteering it in the earth. God partners with us. And how many know that because of a fallen world, there are things that happen contrary to his heart and his original intent? Death being one of them, disease, poverty. And when something bad happens, we should be very careful if we're going to attribute to God what is the shadow and we call it the reality. We should be very careful. It's actually blasphemous. The, the, the real, that word can be applied if we attribute a work to, that Satan does, we attribute it to God. Or a work that not just Satan does, it's just a work of the intrinsic consequences of sin. Gravity, for one. 
Like, oh, I tripped and fell. God's teaching me a lesson. No, learn how to walk better. I got a flat tire, so God is trying to teach me something. Yeah, learn how to change your tires. Hello? There's natural laws and there's spiritual laws, and we have to be careful. We don't attribute activity to God that is just shadow activity. Well, that's just God, you know. God is in control. That's, that's not even in the Bible. It comes from St. Augustine. His mentor was a Greek... Uh, philosopher, Platonus, and, and some of that Greek philosophy, that concept of God has crept in the Western church. So we just have, we say these things and we don't even realize what we're saying. We're not saying, we're not quoting scripture. The word sovereign does not mean exhaustively controlling. It means to be in charge. And here's the thing. If we really believe God is sovereign, catch this, then we can believe that he can sovereignly choose not to control everything. If you don't believe that, then you don't really believe he's sovereign. Sovereignty to us is this exhaustive control because we live in the shadow of fear. So we like to control everything. So we make God in our vain fallen imaginations. And we say he is a control freak just like me. No, that's you. That's your image of God. And we make it an idol and say if any other God or revelation of God doesn't look like this, then it's heresy when we're actually the ones that are committing heresy. Satan is God's puppet, or I've heard preachers say this, blasphemy. You know, like we're going to attribute what is dark and evil to God? A school shooting of children. Well, you know, God is trying to, God's judging America. Shut up, please. I told you I like to kick religion in the butt, and I'm going to. We misunderstand God's activity because we live in the shadow. Let's go to the next one. I feel like I'm being mean, so I need to be more loving and uh, whatever. No, I'm being loving. I'm telling you the truth. The truth will set you free. We see in part. We don't understand the context. Now, I want to I wanna just read a couple more scriptures to you. Listen, this is so profound. Ephesians 1, we read through this a couple times. Look it. Even before he made the world, underline that or highlight that in your minds or on your Bibles. Listen. Before he made the world, before like what we see God even relating to Adam and creating Adam, before Abraham, before Isaac, before Moses, before Noah, before all of the Old Testament stories, before all of it, God, this is the context of the story. Have you ever walked into a conversation and you didn't hear like the 15 minutes before and then you interject yourself in the conversation? I've done this a few times. And I'm like, I didn't realize everything that, and I start saying things that they've already talked about and dealt with and like they've moved on from. And sometimes we, uh, we put ourselves in the conversation of the entire story of God relating to us and we don't know the context. And this is what the Bible says. Here's the context. Before creation, God loved us and chose us in Christ. The context is not a horror story. That's the shadow. It's a love story. Oh, come on. It's a love story. 
He goes on, and, and Paul says, he chose us to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. He was so proud to do it. Oh, I can't wait. The Father, Son, and Spirit, before the world was even created, decided to create us just to include us in that love and relationship. That's the context of the entire story. So when we look at the Old Testament and we see things that happen, it's shadows that point to the reality, which is Jesus. Jesus shows up. He's the light of the world. He is the true light that shines and pierces the darkness. I said that right when the lights changed. That was so cool. <laughs> Next verse, real quick. Second Timothy, context. Say context. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. To show us his grace through Jesus Christ. Wow. Next verse, Titus 1, 1 and 2. Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. He promised eternal life before the beginning of time. That's such an interesting phrase. Now look at this next verse. It's a love story. I love this. Genesis 3.9. God's response to the fall. Where are you? Why are you hiding? Why are you hiding in the, in the bushes? Or might I say the darkness, the shadows? Why are you ashamed? Where are you? And from then on, you see the pursuit of God going into our religion, going into our darkest places, meeting us where we're at. We didn't stay there. There's a story of a, uh, a missionary couple, and they go to a place, I think it's in New Guinea or a place like that, and um, it's an island, a remote island. And this tribe is very uh, primitive and and, and how many know that like a missionary can't come and just change all the culture right at once, right? You've got to go into their, their stuff. And that's what God did. He went into our stuff, right? Jesus, I mean, God is the picture of the ultimate missionary that comes into our darkness. But how many know there's things that primitive tribes do that are like evil and wrong? This is one of the things that they used to do in this particular tribe. Some of you, maybe you've seen this video, but they started teaching them. And one of the, the uh, rituals they did, it's really weird and evil, but they would, uh, at some point, when the young man would become like a warrior, they would have this ceremony, and the young man would go out and, like, kill his mom or something crazy like that. Now, how many know that murder's evil, but that's just, just evil in itself? So they began to teach them, and, they, and they, these people began to realize, like, oh, this is wrong. But they didn't stay there. Can you imagine if this missionary couple made record of all this? And it might have taken them a year or two to get them to the place to realize that what this thing that was sacred to them was actually evil. But if they made record of this and somebody only read the first three chapters and not the last part, which was them getting free from this wickedness, they could 
just say right there, like, oh, wow, these, this missionary couple is really, they're really evil because they just let them remain in that. But that's what we do when we live in the shadow. We've got to read the whole story and know the context. Now, here's what happened. They told this tribe, if you trust in Jesus, your sin, your darkness, the evil deeds that you've done that you feel bad about, you will be forgiven. And they look at each other and they're like, did you hear that? Literally hundreds of them. And the preacher says it again. This is after years. And he says, if you trust in Jesus, your sins will be forgiven. And they began to shout out, it is truth in their language. It is truth. It is truth. They danced and rejoiced up and down for hours, rejoicing that their sin was removed. So when God pursued us, he didn't just show up and turn the light on or we'd all go blind. He met us in the shadow. But he doesn't leave us in the shadow. He comes in the womb of Mary, fully God, fully man, joins his divinity to our fallen humanity and shows us what love looked like, shows us what the Father looks like. He is the image of the invisible God because the result is, is that Jesus is the reality. Look at John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To me, that is really profound. Jesus is saying eternal life is relationship with me. He, he came to bring us back into relationship face-to-face with the Father. Can you say amen? Can I pray for you? Jesus is the reality. Lord, let the light of who you are shine through every area of our minds and our hearts, the deepest places of the sin of disease, of uh, sicknesses, and, and the thing, our brokenness, God. Let the light and the love of God shine through. We will not hide in the shadows. We will come and we will receive your love. We will come and we will receive your grace. And we thank you that the context of this entire story is a love story that you began to write before creation itself. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for that. I want to close by reading a text. Just close your eyes with me, if you would, and close your eyes. I'm going to read this, uh, John 17, later on in the same prayer. Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them would be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be one in us that the world may believe that you've sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you've sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Wow. This verse is so profound. Verse 24. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Talk about context. The love story the love story. You pursued us and you love us over and over and over. Your love just keeps coming, crashing in, cleansing, refreshing, healing, 
and setting us free. We thank you for that love. May we be a people that do not hide in the shadows, but may the toxic images of God be shattered in the revelation of who you are, in the revelation that Jesus has come to give us, the revelation of the Father. We thank you, Holy Spirit. It is through the power of your Spirit that this happens. We open our hearts to it in Jesus' name. I want you to ask the Lord something real quick. After this message and everything we've talked about, I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, where am I hiding in the shadows? Just ask him. And then ask him, say, Lord, would you just let your, shi- your light shine on this area of my heart, my mind? I receive your love. I receive your healing. Say it out loud. Say, I receive forgiveness. I receive freedom right now. You know, sometimes shame is attached to a mistake or even something that wasn't our mistake, but we take the blame for it. And some people walk in shame for decades and decades and decades and decades. And I just want to break the spirit of shame off of us right now. Some of you have carried shame for years. I remember one time I was praying over people at the altar and prayed over this young lady who uh, ended up being uh, being a part of our church in Las Vegas for many years after. And I saw her, and these are prophetic words, you're like careful, but I saw her mourning a baby. I didn't know if it was spiritual, if it was literal, but I felt like in the moment, it's possible it was like an abortion or something like that. And I just saw the weight of guilt and shame be lifted off this young lady who has been radically delivered from a, a lifestyle. How many know that that type of shame runs really, really deep? And so if you're carrying shame and you've been holding on to things, guilt, condemnation, I just want to pray it off you right now. I want you to lift up your hands with me and just say, I receive, I receive freedom right now. Lord, I command the spirit of shame to be lifted off of your people now. Now see the smile of your father. I break every lying, every lying chain right now over your minds in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for freedom. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us into your presence. We love you. We honor you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Could you shout out amen? Would you give the Lord just a shout of praise? Seal it with praise. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's message. Our prayer is that you've heard a now word for your own life and experienced the life-changing presence of God. 